Hi everyone. Today's video has three points and you're going to want to stick around because the third point is a secret as to the one thing you should be doing if you want to maximize sales when it comes to publishing short nonfiction books. So let's get into it. The topic we're going to be discussing today is should you write and publish short nonfiction books? Now, as a writer, you may be wanting to touch on the subject of nonfiction because you have some ideas of, that you would like to get into the world, but maybe you don't have so many ideas that you could write a very long book or you don't have the time that's necessary or you don't even consider yourself a very good writer in the first place, but maybe you could get your book onto Amazon and start making sales off of it if it weren't a very long book. Some people have this idea in their mind it needs to be 30,000 words or else there's no point. After all, if you're going to write nonfiction, shouldn't it be this thousand word book, uh, you know, page book that's going to cover every single subject topic regarding your thing. Well, this is something that begins to build frustration and the end result is you simply fail to publish the book onto the market as you perhaps ought to do, which we're going to discuss in today's video. This is Chris Baird from selfpublishingmadeeasynow.com where self-publishing doesn't have to be so hard. Hit the subscribe button because after 317 videos that I've put out, I hope this has been helpful to you and this would be a way to show your appreciation to me and also help other writers find the tools and tips necessary to get their books onto the market. In addition, check out below here in the description and grab a copy of my absolutely free self-publishing checklist to make sure that you are not skipping any of the steps necessary to not just get your books made, but also out there and selling as well. So go ahead and check that free checklist out in the description. So moving right along. In my own story, when I first got started with Amazon KDP, it started with a particular rule at the time, which was for your Kindle books, if a person read such a percent, I think it was like 10%, maybe 20%, you could correct me, 2015, 2016, earlier in that period, that they would actually pay you a chunk of change as if the person had purchased the book, if they were in their Kindle Unlimited program along those lines at the time, so they had a deal. The end, and what would be the end result of that? Well, the market started getting flooded with these short nonfiction books. These books could be just only 10, 20 pages, maybe 30 pages in length, under 100, whatever the case is, because then a person who would buy the book, they would read through the pages of the book, and before you know it, you'd hit the 10%, it would count as an actual sale, and you would have the money transferred over. So there was a flooding that occurred on the market, and people with longer books would be punished for it, as opposed to shorter books. Now the thing is, the rules changed, but there was still value here. And the way that they were able to deal with the rules was that they would then say it would be based upon how many pages the person read. So people with longer books would actually be rewarded and then other people came up with ideas like well, what if you put the table of contents at the end of the book or ask people to click at the end of the book or combine all your books together these practices would end up getting your accounts banned because you were getting these page reads even though the person hadn't actually read those pages they just jumped to the end of the book only to discover that, oh my goodness, okay, and then they hit where they want to go in the book. And they're like, oh good, there's like 10 bonus books. And these are the sorts of practices that were very dangerous when they moved over to this, but people were making $10,000 a day using this exact strategy until Amazon shut their accounts down. 
which is a very important lesson on Amazon, which is don't mess with Amazon. They have terms and conditions, and it's best to stick by what they're telling you to do and not try to get too clever with regards to the practices that you're doing when it comes to selling your books. But the thing is, even after they changed the rules on going from that the person read 10% of the book, which of course a shorter book would be easier to reach that goal or something, comparing to a longer book where the person would have to read all of it, the thing is is that there still was value in the shorter books and a lot of people just didn't see this. So I discovered that if you write a book that is 3,000 words in length, that book will be 24 pages. At 24 pages, it's long enough to become a print book, which is very important since print books generally make twice as much money as your Kindle books. And so it's a very good strategy to figure out, to make sure that if you're going to write something short, that it does hit that 24 book uh, page marker. In addition, another strategy was that these shorter books, if they're in the same genre, they could be combined in order to make them long, longer books. So they would be like 100 books. Let's say you had a short book on puppy training. If we combine four of these, we now have a 100-page book on puppy training, especially if each of these books is hitting a specific aspect of puppy training, that it's going to then lead you to a person who buys it. They would then go through all four of these small micro books to get them a reasonably sized 100-page book. And the pricing strategy would then also make it advantageous to them because you would charge less for each additional manuscript that you were adding into it. And what I discovered was that I was playing around with having people write books for me. After I'd written some of my own books, of course, uh, but I was curious because I, I wanted to have a book maybe testing out gratitude or decluttering, and I put these books onto the market to discover, and of course running ads against them. Some of these books, especially the gratitude book, was outperforming my own books. My books, of course, were 100 pages to 200 pages in length, and this short book suddenly was beating my book. A 30-page book was getting positive reviews and beating my own book that I'd put on the market. And I found that to be a little disturbing in one sense to realize that, but in another sense, it was because the keyword was more popular. So if I do a book on goal achievement or how to sleep better habit, habit building, uh, which are very useful books. These books are, of course, high quality books. They're books that will tell you exactly what you need on these different subjects. But the fact is, is gratitude or decluttering were much more popular themes than the books that I was writing on. And as a result, with running ads against it, I started seeing sales come in. And that made me realize this is actually a very good strategy. So maybe not the best strategy in the long run, perhaps, but it was a good strategy. So should you write and publish short nonfiction books? Well, the first answer is yes. There is still plenty of money to be made on shorter nonfiction books. So whether you're writing them or paying somebody else to write them, as long as the book is grammatically correct and the goal and what it promises to deliver, it does deliver that. It's in a bite-sized chunk. And the second reason, which is one that you might not be thinking about, is that people want their problems solved and people's attention spans are insanely short. People simply don't have the energy and time to sit around and be reading a thousand page book if you could solve their problem in only 25 pages. How often have you gone to a YouTube video and you just hop over a lot of the initial stuff in order to get to the good stuff where they're actually going to solve your specific problem that you have? And this is something that also is true when it comes to books. It doesn't have to be a long book. A short book can get in there, solve the problem, and get out. 
That's the important part. If it doesn't solve the, the, the problem, well, then the book is a scam or you're, you're, you're putting out too low of quality of books. That's the reason why you want to make sure that the grammar and everything is correct. I did test out some ghostwriters on Fiverr that were absolutely terrible and their books never saw the light of day because it was too difficult to fix the grammar and, and the, the content wasn't, wasn't particularly good. good. And you, you also, also wish to make sure you do a scan on those books to make sure that they are original material, which I've also busted people for using stolen material, which is just fine. I reported it and Fiverr bans their account and refunds my money. So that was what happened during that particular period. And I've done this with other services as well, like uh, Epic Write was one of the ones that I had used quite a bit. Found them to be very, very high quality writing for me. You would, of course, have to do some additional grammatical editing and things. However, the books were up to, up to par. And in addition, I would always run checks to make sure that the, the work was, in fact, original. So, And then with these short books, you could pay very little money. You could pay 50 bucks or, or I think it was $30 at the time, maybe up to $50, $60 now to get a book that's 25 pages in length written. And the book hits the topic. People are happy with it. They give good reviews and you're just fine. You do need to make sure you control expectations. Each book that you sell, it's going to have the page limit, how many, well not the limit, but the, how many pages are estimated to be in the book and you can find it on the sales page. So it shouldn't come as a surprise to somebody if they buy a book and the book is, I don't know, 25, 30 pages. They shouldn't expect it to be a thousand pages. So this information is there. Some people in order to get around this will comment, look, this is a small book or a pamphlet or a little, little, you know, get in there, get out there, 30, 40 pages. They'll explain that to the, to the buyer so that they're not confused thinking they're going to get some gigantic novel out of the whole thing. Uh, you know, just huge, ma massive thing. So that's an important thing when managing expectations. That's one of the reasons why a lot of people would still recommend writing books that get you to 100 pages, specifically because it makes sure you're managing the expectation of your reader and nobody complains about a 100-page book, but they might with a shorter book. You know, they'll take a photo and go, oh my goodness, look how small it is. Well, the question isn't how small or how big a book is. Just like the courses I sell, it's not how long or how short they are. It's the question of whether or not they're going to answer your problem. For example, in my book, for my formatting course, I go through about an hour's worth of content going through step-by-step step how to use the tool Juto in order to publish your book. You can find my link below in the description. And I show you how to do it because my goal is to keep it easy, unlike the fake gurus that are out there with self-publishing who want to sell you courses that are 50 hours or 100 hours or 1,000 hours in length, and you'll never get through the course. And so you get demotivated as opposed to a course like the ones that I sell, which are we get in there, we solve the problem, and then we get out. And so the people have found it very, very helpful and the ability to then do the formatting yourself and getting it perfect the very first time. So that's just a, a couple things that I've personally found uh, that my students have also found helpful, which is that they are not so overwhelming and you don't have that. Plus, you have the hands-on help that I give people as you're going through the course with any issues that show up. So, But that's the same thing that goes with your books. These short books, they're perfect. But let's get into the secret answer of today, our third point, which is the best strategy is to write under your own name. Choose a topic that you really, really enjoy and know a lot about and that you want to help other people on because this gives us the ability to build a brand around yourself and your face. Then stick with that single genre, niche, or keyword that you have and that will result in your maximum number of sales. You're going to build up an email list and you're going to ask those people to buy your newest books. You're going to ask them to leave reviews with your advanced review team and you're going to go around and around on this circle as we continue to build an audience. This was my number one mistake that I made in the early days, which was I was all over the place in 16 different genres, publishing all over the place. And 
I would have done a lot better to have a hundred books on one single topic. As people I've seen who have done this effectively would be someone like Steve Scott. You know, he focused on habits. So every single book was on habits. Now he later said he regretted a little bit of that and that he had wished he had done fitness and sports. It might have been a little bit easier ride for him, somebody who runs marathons and stuff. But you know, this is a very important point. You stick to one a single topic and then you just keep doing it. And if you can put your face on it, it's even better. You will increase the sales that you're getting for your books. So that's an important one. Now tell me, have you written a short nonfiction book? If you have, write yes below in the comments. And if you have never done it, write no. And check out my video above me here for more video answers to your self-publishing questions. Thanks.